This morning is Vision Sunday, and this is a, a, a wonderful Sunday that we get a chance to just do a checkup as a church and say, where are we going? Are we still on track? And, and are we going the way God wants us to go? You guys familiar with Alice in Wonderland? One of my favorite parts of that, even though I really don't like the movie, but the favorite parts of that is when Alice comes to Cheshire Cat, they're talking, there's a fork in the road, and, and Alice says, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the Cheshire Cat says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice says, I, I don't much care where. Then it doesn't matter much which way you go. Oh, oh, so long as I get somewhere, Alice said. And the Cheshire Cat said, oh, you're sure to do that if you walk long enough. And she's, he's pointing out to her that it matters which way we go, right? It matters the direction that we're traveling for where we want to go. We can't just pick an arbitrary path and say, hey, I hope it gets there. And today on Vision Sunday, we want to say, okay, what, what does God's Word say our direction should be as a church? What does God's Word say we should be spending our time doing? What kinds of activities should we be doing? You know, why do we do this every year? We take one Sunday in January every year and we come back to vision and we come back to our core values. And there are some really important reasons why we do this. And I know some of you have been through like 10 of these vision Sundays now and you're like, okay, I've got the core values down, Pastor Ron. But it's good to remind ourselves, right? And today for you will be a checkup to say, okay, these are core values, not only of our church, but of every believer. Am I doing these things? Have I forgotten this year? Because we have years that are just so crammed full of activities or, or stuff or just trouble that sometimes we forget these things. For some of you, many of you here, this is your first time and, and you're, you're new to Village this last year and it's great. We love having you here. So this is an opportunity you have to hear our heart of where God is leading us, what direction He's taking us. And so we do this for a lot of reasons. One is to protect against drift. We want to make sure we stay on track as a church. We are committed to God's Word. We are committed to doing what God wants us to do. I'm not really interested in having Village be a great social club on Sunday morning. I want to know that we are making a difference that God has called us to make in this world. And, and Vision Sunday and keeping track of our vision helps us do that. It also helps us see how we're progressing in that direction. And as sometimes I review a little bit of what we've done this last year and we look ahead to this next year and it reminds us, hey, God is doing a work here. And and I am thrilled at the work that God is doing at Village and the lives that are saved and people changed and the disciples being made. One of the other purposes of Vision Sunday is it keeps us rowing the same direction, right? It's good to be working the same direction. If we're all going different directions, then we're just spinning our wheels and wasting time. Anyone ever drive past Ganol Lumber? I love their sign, right? They always have a quote on there, and the kids on the way to school, they're like, hey, Dad, this is what it says. Well, a couple weeks ago, it said something like this. If everyone is rowing, no one has time to drill holes. (laughs) Think about that. If everyone's rowing, no one has time to drill holes. That's a little bit why I think vision is so important. So we're rowing the same direction. We're doing the same work. We don't have time to argue about paint color or drill holes in the boat and, and, and sabotage the work of God. It also keeps us from losing heart. Sometimes we're, we're doing things God's Word says to do and we don't see the results right away because sometimes people's lives are changed in 20 years. Sometimes they're changed in 20 minutes. But it keeps us from losing heart and on track for what God wants us to do. And so 
this is an opportunity for us to do that, to check up on our core values. It's also an opportunity for us as, as pastors and elders, as we talk about this Sunday and we pray through this Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to share our heart a little bit for this next year. And not just in stuff to do. Not just in activity. In fact, the whole way I'm going to break up this morning, the first half of the sermon, I just want to share our heart as, as leaders of where we see God taking us spiritually. What, what growth we see already happening in village and where we see that, that God is continuing that this next year. Second half of this morning, we'll talk about our core values and some more specifics and, and a couple of new ministries I'm excited about. But we've got to start with where God has our heart and where God has us spiritually. Last year, we talked about being a true, a genuine, growing, discipling family. And, and throughout the year, we've seen so many discipling relationships um, coming up. And we see constantly talking about the idea that we are a church family. We're not isolated here. We are dependent on each other. And so many great things have happened this last year out of that. We even took one of our trimesters in Sunday school class and, and had a discipleship Sunday school and said, okay, this is so important. We're just going to do it. And we broke up into groups. And we had about 20, 25 of you that were willing to be my guinea pigs in that. And it was fabulous as we saw God work and build relationships. And so what does God have for us this year? And really the title of the sermon in your, in your worship folder gives an idea uh, of where the staff and the elders and I, where we've thought that God is leading us spiritually. And it's to have a 24-7 faith or a 24-7 life that is sold out for Christ. Every minute should be led should be worthy, and should be working. And we're going to explain that a little bit. But, but really two points this morning, and that's it. And then we'll, we'll dive into some of our core values. The first is we want Jesus, we want to let Jesus affect every part of our lives and every part of our church. We want to let Jesus affect every part of our lives and every part of our church. You know, as I, as I look at culture and as look, I look at the church in America and Christianity in America, one of the things that I see creeping in into Christianity in America is this idea of compartmentalization, where I can take my Christian faith and have it over here. And on Sundays, I can come, I can worship, I can even know what I believe and know my doctrine, but then a difficulty letting that integrate into the rest of our lives. How does that affect Monday? How does that affect Tuesday? And we can get very, very good at compartmentalizing our faith, can't we? Especially men, let me talk to you. We by nature compartmentalize things. It's why we can have an awful day at work and go home and still be great husbands and dads because we can leave that there. That's that door. And just don't ask me how my day was and we're good. And, and, and I can forget that. But we have to be careful not to do that in our Christian walk in our Christian faith. We want to let Jesus affect every part of our lives and every part of our church. Compartmentalizing our faith away is not healthy. It is not good. It is destructive. And it is not real faith. Make sense? Turn with me in your Bibles to, to Ephesians 4. I'm going to put some verses up because this is a, a theme that comes over and over and over in Scripture. And so, Jeremiah, can you put the, the slide with the three verses up? Awesome. Hey, and they all fit. I'm having you look up the middle one, Ephesians 4, 1, 2, 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black one under a chair around you. We'd love for you to take that, follow along. 
But these verses all pretty much say the same thing. They're all written by Paul, but with different nuances. And rather than have you flip between three different passages, I thought we're just going to put them all on the screen and compare them a little bit. Because what I want you to think of when we think of letting Jesus infiltrate every part of our lives are two words. Two words, worthy and working. Okay? Worthy and working. And these break down to who we are, our character, who we are in Christ, how we're living in Christ, our attitude, and what God is doing on the inside, and then what we do. Because faith without works is what? It's dead. This is why we're going to be going through James this year as we explore this theme and what God is doing here at Village. Faith without works is dead. And so we're not saved by works. We, we don't want to live in a legalistic situation where I have to do five different things before I, I can be a really good Christian. But true faith will result in a change of action. It always results in a change of action. In fact, you can almost always tell what someone believes by how they act. And, and so we want to realize that a, a life that is sold out to Christ, that Christ is affecting every area of, it'll affect who we are, which we're going to see in the word worthy in these verses, and it'll affect what we do, our actions that come out of that. In Philippians 1.27, I know it's not where I had you turn, but just hold on to the Ephesians passage. Philippians 1.27, the first one on the screen says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We could just take that phrase and work all year on applying that, right? Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, when we think of manner of life, the wording there is really, if we had to summarize, Paul's saying, if you had to summarize how you live in every moment of life. And so manner of life is what characterizes your life. What if somebody knew you and looked at you, how would they describe your life? And so he's using this all-inclusive idea of let your manner of life, every part of life, everything you do, may it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so we see that word worthy there. Are our hearts sold out to God? Are our attitudes in line with Scripture? And so we at Village this year want to focus on making sure we're putting up a buttress against the world, walls against what the world's trying to say of your faith is just what you do here and heaven forbid if it, if it goes anywhere else. And we see that even in our legislation, don't we? Legislation is trying to say you can practice your faith on Sunday morning in your little church, but don't you dare have a Bible at work. Don't you dare post a verse on your cubicle, which people are getting sued over. Don't you dare live in a way. And so we're being taught to compartmentalize by our culture, and we want to stand against that and say we're to live our entire manner of life worthy of the gospel of Christ. If I'm ashamed of my Christianity and ashamed of saying I'm a follower of Christ during the week, I am not living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, straight up. And so we want to say how can Christ affect every aspect of life, every decision we make, every activity we do, every moment on the job, We're going to be talking about that a little bit in our men's ministry this year. Paul says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He goes on to explain that a little bit, and he'll explain that in the Ephesians passage. So that whether I come and see you or or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. And so he refers to them, 
if they are worthy, they know what they believe. They're standing firm. In one spirit, there is a unity of the saints. There is community. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Striving. Is that worthy or working? It's working, right? That's an outgrowth of our faith. And so right here, Paul says, I want you to be worthy of the gospel of Christ, but that comes out in what you do. And so we see if every part of our lives is to be affected by Christ, we have to live worthy and we have to do what he wants us to do. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, again, we see the the same idea. I only put verse 1 on the screen, but you've looked up 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Paul is writing this from prison from chains, and he's writing to encourage churches, which is amazing that he's still writing to to walk in a way worthy of Christ. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And again, we see the same words. uh, uh, To walk in a manner of your life should be characterized by this. Every part of life should be characterized by this. Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And it reminds us we've all been called to do something. And to do what God wants us to do, we live worthy. So worthy and working. You see the same two words over and over. Who are we? Are we pursuing our walk with God? What are we doing? What is the outgrowth of that? And then Paul goes on in verses 2 and 3 to give some examples of that. He says, with all humility and gentleness... He didn't say with some humility when situations that we think deserve it or with some gentleness, if I'm not really mad at my kids. No, with all humility and gentleness. And again, this is the idea that Jesus is to invade every part of our lives. Everything. There is no part of your life that Jesus doesn't look at and say, mine. That's mine. I want control over that. And so Paul says, humility Humility should always cover our actions. Gentleness should always cover our action. And we've talked about gentleness before. This is power under control. It's not weakness, but taking what God has given you and controlling it and directing it. With patience. That should be part of our manner of living. Are we patient people? Are we, are we known as patient people? Or are we known as hotheads or impatient? Those are things that are not worthy of God. That's compartmentalizing our faith. Bearing with one another in love. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, maybe we just wipe that one out. No, it says, if we're to live a life worthy of the calling, worthy of God, Paul, through the, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says, bearing with one another in love. Not tolerating them in disgust. Bearing with them in love to, to build that relationship. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We see worthy and working, working there in the call. Interestingly enough, in Ephesians 4, if you go on and read, which we don't have time this morning, the rest of the chapter or the rest of this section is about spiritual gifts and how we use our gifts to serve each other, to do. So Paul starts here with the manner of life, how we, we let Christ affect every part, and then he talks about the outcome of that is the works, the working out our faith. Colossians 1.10 Again, this one's on the screen. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I feel like this is a theme with Paul. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. That's the worthy part of it. Bearing fruit in every good work. That's the working part of it. That we should, the the outcome of it. And increasing 
in the knowledge of God. Village, Jesus wants to affect, He wants to change every part of our lives. And He wants to be part of every part of our church. There is nothing we should do as a church that somehow doesn't come back to what are we doing for Christ. What Even the Super Bowl parties. We talk about why we do them, what we're trying to accomplish, and that, that affects how we design them. That affects the fact that we're going into people's homes. We're trying to build community. Everything should come back to Christ and what Christ is wanting to do. Anyone follow Babylon B? I've mentioned that before, the purveyor of all true news that there is. This week they had an article. Amazing. This Christian is exactly like his unbelieving friends, except he says heck instead of hell. Think about that for a minute. That is not the goal. But so many times we take our Christianity and we think, if we do this, if we just change a couple things, if I just tweak a couple things, then, then I am worthy of Christ. Christ wants it all. He wants every part of our lives. He wants to change us so much more than just one word in our vocabulary. Because if he changes us that pervasively, if every part of my life is following the manner of what Christ wants me to live, it will be so obvious to this world and it will be so annoying to people in this world. But it will be pleasing to God. Let's not be that guy. So the first thing is we want to let Jesus affect every part of our lives and every part of our church. And as we are praying for the church as leaders, that's one of the things we're praying for this year, is that we would fight the compartmentalization and integrate Christ into every part of our lives. In our lives, the question we can ask in whatever we do, how does this show Jesus and continue his mission? How does this show Jesus is the worthy? How does this continue his mission is the working it out part? Second thing, though, that we are praying for Village this next year is we want to be looking for and dependent on the Holy Spirit's leading. We want to be looking for and dependent on the Holy Spirit's leading. As I've talked with with many of you, I am watching God work in this area in our church. I'm watching a renewed interest into what is the Holy Spirit doing? How do I listen to the Holy Spirit? How do I live by the Holy Spirit? Those are some of the questions that are coming in. And I know full well that, that evangelical Christianity for many years has sort of steered away from talking about the Holy Spirit much because we don't want to, to be considered extreme in this. But the Holy Spirit is real. He is a gift that God has given every believer, that Jesus promised every believer to enable us to walk with God and to continue Christ's work. In fact, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do number one. We can't live worthy and working for Christ. And so as we're praying through village this year and and for village this year, how can we see the Holy Spirit work? How can we teach ourselves to be listening to the Holy Spirit? If you noticed in the Ephesians passage in verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That's a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit, if He's going to help us even live out worthiness in, in, in caring for each other, in bearing with one another, we need His help. And then Paul says in verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit. There's one body, the church, and one Spirit that is the, the, the acting person of the Trinity that is within each of us and is acting in our church. 
we cannot neglect Him. We cannot ignore Him. In Galatians 5, I know it's a passage our women's Bible study just went through this last last um, semester, right? Galatians? Or you went through Colossians? Fruit of the Spirit, thank you. That's, I knew it was recent, but I am not in the ladies' Bible study. <laughs> fruit of the Spirit's out of Galatians 5. Let me just read some of the other verses around the fruit of the Spirit. We're familiar with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the, fr- of the flesh. And then we have the fruit of the Spirit. But, but Paul here is saying, we need to walk by the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? And this is what I hear. Okay, okay, Pastor Rod, I have no idea what walk by the Spirit means. I know we should do it. But I mean, do I need a little cardboard cutout and we walk next? No, no. We want to explore that a little bit this year. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Because it means in our prayer life and in our thoughts, starting to say, Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do here? How would you lead me here? So many times before I go into the gym, I pray and say, God, through your Holy Spirit, will you show me who to talk to? Have you ever in the middle of the night woken up just had someone on your mind that you can't get off your mind? I'm going to challenge you. That's probably the Holy Spirit saying to pray for them right then. And that might be the Holy Spirit saying, write them a note or talk to them or connect with them. I can't count how many times people have obeyed those promptings and then found out that God has used that to encourage someone else, to challenge someone else to walk with God. We don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit, guys. But we have to learn to listen to Him. Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For him, it's part of avoiding sin. Then the the fruit of the Spirit, the the Holy Spirit is the one that produces these qualities that are worthy of Christ, right? You know, number one, if I just mention number one, we want to um, integrate Christ in every part of our lives, that can become just such a list. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Oh, no. But point number two is how it happens through the Holy Spirit actively working in our lives. Galatians 5.25, after the fruit of the Spirit, same chapter. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit to be open to where He's leading and follow it. Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, understand, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning to follow Him, learning to, to let Him control our lives, let Him fill our lives, This isn't something for super-Christians. This isn't something only for elders or Sunday school teachers or pastors. This is for every believer. Do you remember in Acts? In Acts chapter 6, there was a problem taking care of the widows. And the elders, there was starting to be some disputes. And the leaders of the church said, we need some help. And they brought in some men that we would call sort of the first deacons or beginning of the idea of a deacon ministry. And they're choosing the men, and, and with Stephen, it says in Acts 6-5, and, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And, and the qualifications for someone that was doing a, a ministry of handing out food, he was handing out food and taking care of people, was you, you've got to be strong in the faith, and you have to be following the Holy Spirit. That's for everybody. It's for everybody. And so this year, I see, I see God really working in village in, in teaching us to listen to His Holy Spirit in ways that are, are, are 
completely in line with God's Word, in ways that don't violate God's Word in any way, but in ways that each of us individually start to hear what God is trying to say to us, what God is asking us to do. Those are the two things that we as an elder board, as a pastor team, are praying for village. That we would integrate Christ, let Christ affect every part of our lives, our, our, our worth, who we are and what we do, our works, but also that we'd learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. So how does that work itself out in our core values? And we have four core values that, that, that come out of our vision statement. I keep looking over here because they're on the wall here to remind us, and that's why this side's called the side of the word. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, this is the side of the light. So, you know, we, we have some friends. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait a minute here. And as we put, put into practice our vision statement, which is building Christ-focused families that disciple their communities for him, how do we disciple our communities for him? How do we do that? And in Scripture, we see these four things that must be part of every church. That every church that is following what God wants them to do should have these four things at their core. And maybe there's some variations. I'm not saying we've, we've trademarked this or something. But each of these are commanded in Scripture. And I'd like to remind us of these things. Because these are so vital, not just in our church, but in our own personal lives. Because these are the same things that God has asked us to do as disciples of Him. And so as we talk through these, I want you to ask yourself, how am I doing at this this year? How am I doing at outreach, at community, at spiritual growth, at ministry? And the first thing we see is 24-7 lives are devoted to outreach. And 24-7 is what I'm using for our James series coming up, that Christ wants to be part of every moment of our lives. 24-7 lives are devoted to outreach, sharing the gospel with those next door and around the world. We just finished the gospel of Luke, right? And from Jesus' own words at the end of Luke, we think of the Great Commission in Matthew, and and it is, but we have the same thing in Luke, in 24, verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And Jesus said, who I am, what I've done on the cross, that forgiveness of sins, the repentance is to be shared. It's to be shared with all nations, beginning from Jerusalem where they were, their their neighbors, their people they know, and going out to the whole world. And he then says, you are witnesses of these things. Just in case they're like, okay, Jesus, that'd be great. I'm glad you're going to do that. His next verse is, and it's you. You're the ones. Be reaching out, be sharing, be telling people who I am. And then he says in verse 49, And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. What's the promise of his Father? The Holy Spirit. See how it just comes together. If we're to fulfill outreach, if we're to to share the gospel, it's through the strength of the Holy Spirit, the words that the Holy Spirit gives us. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Interestingly enough, Luke and Acts are just volume one and volume two, right? Episode one and episode two, same author. And so in Acts, it's helpful to go to, to, to see the beginning of Acts because it really takes place right after the end of Luke. And in Acts 1.8, we have a verse that we use often, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, you're going to start at home and then you're going to spread who I am around the world. And this becomes really a pattern for us, a mandate. Now, Now, in this case, we are the ends of the earth, praise God. Praise God it got here. And that we've heard who Jesus is. But for us, as I apply this, that means I start it with my neighbor. I start with my coworker. I start with the, the circles of community I have and make sure I'm, I'm reaching out. And then I'm also supporting efforts to reach the world. We are commissioned to church. We're to continue the work of Christ as his ambassadors. And so we want to, to be able to reach out. We want to love God with all our hearts. We want to love the gospel and be amazed at it. We want to love others, including the lost. And then begin to build those relationships and reach out to them. Village, this is an area that I know we talk about every year because it's one of our core values. This is an area that I've seen just real growth in this last year. And, and I commend you for that. I have heard so many people that have said, hey, I brought my friend or I invited my, my coworker or I talked to, to this person about Jesus. Oh, we need to hear those stories because then that get, gets us to have enough guts to do the same thing, right? I, at Living Nativity, and, and, and I applaud you for being part of that, we had close to 900 people come through Living Nativity and hear the gospel and see the gospel. Some of those for the very first time. And I, and I loved that. I loved that ministry. What I loved more than that is those of you that said, I brought my neighbor. I brought my coworker. Guys, that's what it's about. And, and that is thrilling to me. It was thrilling. My neighbor came. I'm like, yes. This is, it's not the end of it. It's, it's starting to build relationships, but it's getting us out of our comfort zone, off of our tail ends, and doing something for Christ with our Christianity instead of just expecting it to be a cruise that we're on. And you guys are doing it. And, and so, so we want to keep doing that this year. We want to give opportunities for outreach. We'll be doing Living Nativity again, and we're looking at some different possibilities for that. How can we handle people that are coming or the, the, the amount of people coming? But we want to see what God has to do in the area of outreach. Um, I love Second Harvest, and I've seen this last year a renewed energy um, for that and people coming out and seeing that those are bridges to our community and if you've never come to Second Harvest, come the second Saturday and just hand out food because we have 150 families that come from our community. And we get to pray with them, we get to give them the gospel, and we get to give them food. The mission support of this church has been outstanding. In fact, the missions committee, the missions team has a problem. And, and um, Pastor Andrew was sharing their problem with me. He goes, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to do because people have supported missions so much, we've got to find some more missionaries to support. Way to go, causing problems. <laughs> Praise God. And, and, and so we're looking to add um, Horizon Pregnancy Clinic this year and looking to add a couple of other um, media companies that are reaching into North Africa, our target, and how can we reach the Berber people there? So outreach is part of who we are as a church. It's part of our DNA. The question that we need to ask ourselves, same question that we ask every year, who do I know that needs Jesus? Who can I pray for daily and intentionally get to know? Because if we don't have a name, we won't do it. 
We've got to have a goal. We've got to have a target. And so I challenge you, make sure you have someone you're praying for that they would come to Christ. That they would find out the most incredible news that exists on this planet and the most incredible way of living. Second core value. 24-7 lives are not only devoted to outreach, but they're devoted to community and to building community. And this is building positive Christian relationships that spur us to Christ-likeness, ministry, and, out, out, and outreach. Now, we can have community that is awesome that has nothing to do with Christ, right? It, usually around some sort of affinity or some sort of hobby. But when we talk community at church and we talk about one of our core values is how can we build Christ-like relationships, Christian relationships that are going to challenge us to walk with God? If, if I have a, a, a friend and he watches me go down the road to sin and, or he watches me just blow it and he doesn't say anything, that's not Christian community. That's not the kind of a friend that I need to help me walk with God. But 24-7 lives are devoted to building community all the time, not just on Sunday morning. The verse you have there is Romans 12. Um, Romans 12.10, but let me jump back a little bit. Romans 12.9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We're a church family. We're community. God made it that way. We're to nurture it and foster it and make it happen. You know, as I've mentioned, we've been blessed the last year or two with a number of new families and we've been blessed with new believers. How are we doing at adopting everyone in? At being one family? You know, you might be tired of me talking about this all the time, every year. Church family, how are we reaching out? Again, this is another area we're fighting culture. We're fighting a very individualistic culture that defines relationship by how many likes we get on Facebook. And that isn't relationship. It's awesome, but it's not relationship. And so how can we be fighting our culture to create genuine friendships and relationships that are Christ-centered here? And we've got to do it by constantly reminding ourselves to be vigilant and on task. Christ adopted us. We adopt others. So we want to keep remembering it. There's a a couple of things that we do in this vein. We have the village family lunches the third Sunday of every month where we say, go get fast food or bring a lunch or get whatever. And we just set up some tables and a giant family table in the gym and eat together. It's really cool. And I've gotten to have some conversations with you guys there that, that wouldn't happen during the service, can't happen during the service. Come to those. I'm still going to say the same thing I say every year. Village, start thinking of a village starting at 920. And I know with village time that gets you here at 935. Um, let's keep working at this because that's when community starts to happen. Before and after, it's outside of the service. The greet time isn't enough. And we'll be talking about greet time a little bit. I'm going to be, each month, I'm going to be sending a, a church-wide email that talks about how we can use that a little bit better this year. But man, it's got to be beyond the service. Come, come to community groups. When someone comes to me and says, man, I'm looking for some deeper relationships, some deeper friendships, first place I always send them is our community groups. 
We have a young adult community group on Friday night that is a fabulous place to worship and come together and study God's Word. We have a general community group on Thursday evenings. And, and I've got to say, if you guys swamp those and those get full, we'll start more. That, that's not a problem. We'll make this because that's a place in a smaller setting that we can hear each other's needs, that we can pray for each other, study God's Word, discuss it together. It's a wonderful thing to see. You know, throughout Luke, I hope you saw one of the themes was he was often building community. His way of reaching people was to go into their house and eat with them or to stay with them. And then their lives were changed. And and he's setting us an example of getting involved in each other's lives. There's a a couple of other things. You know, just look at our activities because we have a number of activities to help create fellowship, to create community. This year we started the welcome team and the welcome team has done a fantastic job of thinking through how can we do this more intentionally and how can we do this better. In your worship folder today, there's a couple of things that are Connect Launch. I want to spend a, a moment highlighting this. It's a new ministry and some of you may have read this already because what else do you do during the first 10 minutes of the sermon? To read all the inserts. I know. I hate it. <laughs> and, and I want to explain this. This is something the welcome team's been working on, and, and we chose today on Vision Sunday to roll it out. And what this is, this is an opportunity to take leaders and pastors at Village, to take um, some people just from the general church family and bring them together with people that are newer to Village in the last year or so. And we're not going to like chart when you first came or something like that. Um, but newer to Village in the last year or so, and say, let's have lunch together. Let's have lunch, and let's get to know each other a, a little better. One of my frustrations is I, I try on Sunday morning to meet as many guests and newer people as I can. I can't get to everyone. Now, half the time it's because you guys are swarming them, which is awesome. And, and, and I can't break through the circle because people are talking and, and being what, what the body should be. But this is an opportunity for us to, to get to know each other and make sure everybody's becoming part of the family. And so you can read through the card. This is our, our ministry spotlight that we have in the kiosk out there, one for each of our ministries. And what this is, is we're going to have lunch and we're going to start it off-site at a restaurant. And we're going to take some of the, some of the staff, some of the pastors and pastor's wives and be there. We would like one couple from each of the boards. And, and what that's going to be is sort of a first come, first serve sign up thing. So we'd love an elder and his wife. We'd love a deacon and his wife, a deaconess and, and her husband, if, if he's not one of the elders or deacons already. And sign up and we'll take one of those each month as part of the, the welcome lunch. And then we'd like one couple or, or two people from the congregation, from the church family to sign up. I, I was, I was eating brunch with, with one couple that goes to a different church and, um, they were talking about their connect lunch and they said, next month is our chance to serve in this. That's our month. And we're going to go and we're just going to welcome people and get to know people. For now, I'm calling those connect hosts, but you don't have to actually do any hosting. You just have to be there and be friendly. Um, and, and again, at the welcome booth, when you sign up, we'll take one for our next one at the end of February. And then we'll probably do these every other month or so. Then we'll take another two people from the congregation as, as part of this. And then up to eight of you, and, and some of you are new to Village in the last year, this is a great chance for you to come, get lunch, a good lunch if you've been to Carolinas, um, some good Italian food, and get to know some people in a, in a different setting. 
And so we would love to pursue this. In fact, um, I think Savannah is ready to take signups today, wherever she is. There she is. <laughs> um, there are, um, there are signups at the welcome booth back there. Also, you can sign up by texting our church number, um, or by, um, what was the third way? Email. Thank you. How do I forget email? Um, email us at, at office at villagebible.com. But we'd love to start this off and, and give us a, a way to make sure we're not le- letting people fall through the cracks of church family. To make sure that we are intentional about this. The smaller one, this is just the invite. So if, if you are here and newer to Village, um, this is for you and a chance for you to come and be part of that. Um, if the first one fills up, we'll be doing another one in a couple months. So um, be part of that. I'm excited about what that might do and where that might lead. Um, and a chance outside of running from Sunday school to service or, or from people just to sit and talk and to sit to get to know each other. One of the other things that um, we're probably going to do this year in the fall is take a Sunday and cancel church. Now, wait, wait before, you, before you panic, um, some of you were here a number of years ago where we did home churches. And we're going to take one Sunday and just do home churches and, and basically divide up the congregation. One will still meet here for people that come here. Um, divide the congregation up and say, let's meet in homes for one Sunday out of the year. Can we do that? And again, it's part of trying to get in each other's homes, be part of each other's lives. Because if we're sold out for Christ, Christianity says we're part of each other's lives. And we want to foster that any way we can. The question that I would ask personally on this, who could I encourage in my church family this week? This keeps me thinking community, keeps me thinking direction God wants us to to go. The third core value at Village and the third part of discipleship what we should be about, what Villas should be about, is we're to be devoted to spiritual growth. Devoted to spiritual growth. And this is, this is probably, I would highlight this, underline this, the primary foundational thing of who we are as a church. If we're not working at spiritual growth, if we're not preaching God's Word, if we're not teaching God's Word, everything else falls apart. And so we do this through those ministries. The ministry right now of being in God's Word and hearing God's Word. The ministry in the Sunday school classes, in the community groups. How are we working on spiritual habits? These things are all part of spiritual growth. Our worship and the worship nights. See, we grow into Christ-likeness each day as we're transformed by the Spirit. And again, the Holy Spirit becomes part of this. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of Christ, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is taking us, and we're to be growing and being transformed into Christ-likeness. Now, now some of you have been believers a long time, maybe 50, 60 years. You're not done growing yet. Unless you're Jesus. Jesus. You're not done growing yet. And so we all are be devoted to spiritual growth. We all are to be seeking Christ-likeness. You know, to do this, we've got to come together. We've got to be committed to the gathering of the saints, to the preaching of the Word, to the hearing of the Word. This year we'll be looking at, um, we'll take a little mini-series starting next week on God's Word. On, and, and doctrine. Every now and then we'll do a little mini-series on doctrine. And God's Word is one of those things that's being attacked in our culture continually. 
that, that ancient book of myths. We'll talk about why that's, that's, that's not how we should view God's Word. And then we'll be jumping into James, which really talks about how to live our faith every moment in a 24-7 way. And that should take us through most of the year, those two things, um, if you've followed our series. <laughs> but that we want to be committed to spiritual growth and be in God's Word, putting our faith into practice. And we have our women's Bible study. We'll be doing our men's 33 study again. And there's a, a flyer for that in the worship folder, the worship book this morning. Um, that men, we invite you to be part of as we go through the next, um, the next volume of men's 33, a man and his work. And we, each volume talks about a different aspect of a man's life. This one will talk about work and how we can work for the glory of God and avoid some of the traps and, and just think, how do we think biblically about work? You know, I, I encourage you to be part of community groups, be in discipleship relationships. These are all v- really vital to being about spiritual growth as a church. You know, one of the things we put in your worship folder monthly is the rooted reading. And if I had to, to boil down spiritual growth to one primary issue, it's are you reading God's Word? Are you reading God's Word? And so that's why we have our reading plan. It's two years instead of one, trying to slow it down so you can chew on it a little bit, so you can really internalize it. But be thinking of reading God's Word, memorizing God's Word. These are all part of spiritual growth and things that we want to make sure we are committed to. The last point, 24-7 lives are devoted to ministry, are devoted to ministry. We're to serve one another. First Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As we talked about earlier, a faith that doesn't actually put it into action, that doesn't actually do anything for Christ, isn't a complete faith. It isn't a real faith. It's the seed of a faith, but it's not where God wants it to be. And I think through the life of Jesus that we just studied. He spent his life serving and ministering to people. All the healings, all the miracles, they all had to do with serving people. Came to the feeding of the 5,000. They're exhausted. They're trying to get away. And they go, and all of a sudden there's all these people here. And instead of sending them away, he had compassion and ministered to them. The example of Christ is a life of ministry. And so the question for this is, where does God want me to serve in the church? And there are all kinds of places to serve. And we're committed to helping people find a place to serve. There's a kiosk out in the lobby that just says serve at the top. And it has a bunch of our ministries that you can just look through and say, hey, is there a place I could get involved? And you try things until you find a fit. Because when it comes down to it, who are we? We're saints, but we're servants. We're servants. You know, how many hours a day is a servant a servant? All of them. 24. And so when we're talking about letting Jesus permeate and infiltrate every moment of our day, part of that looks like being a servant every day. And so I encourage you to find a place to serve at Village. That also does a great job of of encouraging community and spiritual growth. It it is just a wonderful thing to see God at work. You know, I love this year, this last Christmas, we we doubled about our participation in Operation Christmas Child. As we went to, to... to pack shoe boxes and make sure these were going out. And there's all kinds of other ministries. And, and I know there's always ministry needs. And some of the typical ones are nursery and preschool and Awana. We need people to help out. 
Moms, dads, if you have kids in any of those, make sure you're serving in those and make sure that you're helping out. But there is nothing like ministry to bring us together. And so we'll continue to give opportunities for that. We want to continue to make sure that's a focus. Four core values. Outreach, community, spiritual growth, and ministry. As we evaluate what we do at Village, we always ask the question, which of these does this fit under? And and sometimes it's more than one, but which of these does it fit under? And if it isn't one of these four, we don't do it. Because then we're drifting off. We're getting off track. And it just takes a little bit of getting off track to start you down a path that will lead to a completely different destination. You know, we take the young adults camping every year, and, and, it's, and one of the hikes that um, is popular is the Jim Lakes hike, right? Some of you have been on that. And you get about a quarter of the way into the Jim Lakes hike, and you come to a fork in the road. Coming back to our Alice in Wonderland, except there's no cat at this one. And the fork, it's a small sign. I've missed it some years. But one way is to Jim Lakes, and the other way is to Mono Pass. If you get on the wrong path there, for a while it looks like you're going the same direction. You're going a little parallel. You can see the different paths. But if you go to Mono Pass, you're going up and over the mountain miles away, which looks like a lot of fun unless you didn't intend to go there. One misstep. One getting off track when we weren't being vigilant can take us to a completely different place. And so that's what these core values are about, is making sure we're on track as a church. And so the four questions is, who needs Jesus that I can pray for daily? Who who can I encourage in my church family this week? How can I grow closer to God today and help someone else in their walk this week? Where can I contribute to God's work this year? Village? If we constantly ask ourselves those four questions, we will stay on track. We will stay on track where God is leading. Think of your life and where you're at, where your walk's at right now, where, where, how, how much Christ is part of every aspect of your walk, and ask those questions again. It's the same four questions as we talk about core values, but ask them again and say, how am I doing now? This. How am I doing at praying for someone to follow Christ? How am I doing at encouraging community? Or am I checking out? How am I doing at walking closer to God? Or am I just coasting? How am I doing at contributing to God's work? Or am I just sort of taking right now? These questions will help us stay on track and keep the vision of where God wants us to go. Let's pray together. Lord God, You have created the church. And you have created us with a task, with a mission, and with objectives. Lord, I pray that we would be on task, that we would be continuing your work, that we would see this as our commission, that we would be reaching a lost world for you, that we would be building Christ-centered community. Lord, that we would be in your word and growing in your truth every day and seeing you change our lives because of it, Lord, and then that we would be stepping out and serving you and being servants for you. Lord, help us not to get tired of these commands, but to find new ways and creative ways to do them, to be continuing to make them part of every moment of our lives, that we'd be 24-7 Christians led by you. In your name, amen.